Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions for memorial day get 15% off your burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor that's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> okay, let's do this one more time, at least until our next round of themes are up and available for submission. If you're a writer, we still need your stories. We're currently looking for stories under the themes of government experiments. The deadline for that is the 25th of January. And newly discovered creatures. The deadline for that is the 8th of February. For more information, head over to theotherstories.net forward slash submissions. Once again, that's theotherstories.net forward slash submissions. And we're looking forward to reading your stories. Today's story is Scare Tactics. Written by Gary Wask and narrated by Justin Fife. Elmer and Dolores Monk went at each other, growling and hissing like a dog and cat. They had been married for 25 years and didn't get out much. He suffered from a back injury that he sustained in a coal mining accident, and she had a heart condition and high blood pressure. When they did leave their Ripley, West Virginia home, it was usually to pick up burgers and fries at McDonald's or go shopping at the Piggly Wiggly. Their latest disagreement erupted as Elmer was watching his favorite movie again, the 1959 low-budget horror film, The Shockipede, starring Vincent Price. This time, the dispute would not end with a simple sorry from either husband or wife. As the ba-bump, ba-bump, ba-bump sound of a heartbeat could be heard coming from the flat-screen TV, Elmer knew the words he longed to hear were about to be uttered by his favorite actor. 
He picked up the remote and turned up the volume, something that always annoyed Dolores. In the film, pandemonium breaks out when Vincent Price hysterically informs the patron in a movie theater that it's the Shockapede. More chaos erupts when the projected shadow of the creature can be seen crawling across the screen. This sends people dashing for the exit. Price isn't finished. Scream! 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 He implores the audience. For those who are not acquainted with the Shockapedes, first of all, realize everyone has one. It's an organism that comes to life at the base of a person's spine, if he or she is frightened. This causes a tingling sensation down the spine. A shockopede appears on the x-rays as a worm-like centipede that slowly encases the spine, causing the person's back to become rigid. Of course, by that time, its victim is quite unconscious or worse, unless he or she screams, which loosens the grip. In some well-documented cases, shockopedes that have grown to be 12 inches or longer have escaped from the confines of the human body and caused havoc in the community. Dolores gave out a scream of her own after hearing Price on the TV again. She marched into the living room wearing her house coat. Oh, not this again. How many times do you have to watch that same dumb movie, Elmer? She complained with her hands on her hips. Just shut the damn thing off. It's time for dinner. She also couldn't stand the repeated sight of Prince, who seemed to be speaking directly to her from the 55-inch TV screen. His combed back black hair was punctuated by a widow's peak. Long, wicked eyebrows curved upward, and a villainous thin mustache extended just beyond both sides of his upper lip. All of this, as well as his contorted face and his evil eyes, gave her the heebie-jeebies. "'What are you fixing?' Elmer asked, knowing full well what her response would be. "'Guess,' she asked him, devoid of any enthusiasm. "'Um, mac and cheese?' "'Bingo, right again.' Dolores had touched a nerve. "'You're always bellyaching that I watch the shockopede over and over again, then you prepare the same dinner over and over again.' Why can't we have prime rib once in a while? He suggested in a demanding way. I'm tired of your complaining. If you don't like it, you can lump it. That's all we can afford living off our social security and your pension, said the retired high school cafeteria worker. Don't get me wrong, honey bunch. I love having mac and cheese every night. A person never can have enough mac and cheese, he said with a straight face. Are you being sarcastic? Not at all, my dear. Maybe if you were nicer to me, I'd fix spaghetti once in a while. And if you were really nice to me, I'd add some meat sauce. Now shut that ridiculous movie off and come to the table, she said. Your scrumptious mac and cheese is getting cold. And that's how you treat me. Cold. Elmer thought to himself, as he began counting backwards silently to calm down. After scratching his stubbled, beefsteak face, he got up and joined his wife at the dinner table, not completely cleared of the crumbs from the previous meal. What a lazy, no-good slob, Dolores thought as her husband ambled toward the dinner table with slippers topped in lint, wearing only torn-out boxer shorts and dark sleeveless undershirts sprinkled with dandruff. 
As usual, she wouldn't eat much because she was trying to maintain her figure. Elmer, on the other hand, was content maintaining his round shape and being slovenly. If there was food left over on her plate, he'd reach over with his fork and help himself. Just as they were finishing their meal, Elmer, still annoyed with his wife's criticism, said, You complain about everything I do. Why can't you just let me watch my movie in peace? I don't ask for much. And you don't do very much either. Why do I have to do everything? It's about time you got off your lazy butt and did something around here. Like what? Elmer asked. How about running the vacuum and cleaning the toilets for starters? And please don't give me that bad back alibi of yours. Make an effort. Get dressed, too. Instead of sassing her back, Elmer decided to offer her an olive branch. Okay, you've made your point. I'll change, he said. Uh Uh-huh, right. I've heard that before. Dolores walked back to the living room, picked up the remote control, hit the button that ejected the Shakopee DVD, and handed it to him. After dinner, we're watching my movie, Pride and Prejudice. Elmer was tempted to let out an ugh, but refrained from doing so. Great, I love Jane Austen, he said with a little conviction. Yeah, I'm sure you do. While Elmer was examining the cover of the Shakopee DVD, an idea occurred to him. His eyes narrowed. I've been thinking a lot, Dolores, he said, beaming. Well, that's a first. Elmer ignored the slight and hoped her disposition would change after hearing him out. What do you think about us taking a little vacation to the Bronx? The Bronx? That's a long drive for someone with a bad back. Dr. Henderson wouldn't be pleased. I'd be okay as long as we stopped once in a while and I did those stretching exercises he recommended. So how about it? We can visit our old stomping grounds, see our relatives and friends, and of course eat at Marv's Deli a few times. It'll be like a second honeymoon. It all sounds very nice, but how in the heck can we afford to go on a trip? Don't worry about that. I I have some money. You have some money? How can that be? We're eating mac and cheese nearly every day. Have you been holding out on me? No, of course not. I was going to tell you before you read me the riot act. I won $500 this afternoon in the lottery scratch-off. Dolores was euphoric. Her disposition changed from bellicose to warm and fuzzy just like that. Oh, Elma, that's wonderful. We haven't been to the Bronx in ten years. The monks decided they'd leave on their trip the following week. That would give her enough time to go shopping and stop by to see Dr. Robert Henderson. He was a middle-aged man who Dolores was attracted to from the time she first set eyes on him. And, most importantly, he listened to her, unlike Elmer, and seemed concerned. This time, she had a lot to discuss with him. Elmer backed up the couple's beat-up Ford Explorer out of the garage and onto the cracked concrete driveway. He opened the back of the SUV to load their suitcases. "'Why are you bringing two suitcases?' Dolores asked him. 
We're only staying four days. Well, honey, you know how humid it is in the Bronx in July and how I sweat. So I brought along enough clean clothes to change into. I don't want you doing any laundry and ironing while we're on vacation. You're damn right. I'm not doing laundry or any ironing, she said perturbed. The trip through the Appalachian Mountains to the Big Apple seemed like it was never going to end. Despite the monotony, their conversation was pleasant for once. They actually seemed to enjoy each other's company. They smiled as the New York City skyline appeared in the distance. After parking their SUV, the monks walked into the entrance of Frank's hotel. On their way, they passed two winos sleeping on the sidewalk. There were no doormen. The faded and matted red carpet in the lobby appeared as if it hadn't been vacuumed in years. On the counter of the main desk were stacks of discount coupons for local fast food restaurants. At the registration desk, Elmer tapped on the small metal bell a couple of times. As they waited for the attendant to arrive, Dolores looked at her husband and calmly asked, How did you find this place? In the automobile club directory. Where else? Only the best for us, Dolores. Only the best. Instead of lashing out at her sweetie, she remained silent, which was unlike her. There really was no reason to get upset at this point. Elmer tapped the bell again. They heard a voice from the room off from the main desk announce, I'll be right with you. Finally, a frail little disheveled man arrived from behind the curtain. He still had sleep in the corners of his bulging eyes, even though it was 11.45 in the morning. How can I help you? He asked. We're the monks. I believe we have a reservation, Elmer said. Yes, yes, a reservation. He began to snicker because only a few people were staying at the 40-room hotel. And all of them, except one, were government-subsidized renters. It's room 214, the one that overlooks the Allerton Theater, right? Asked Elmer. Well, what do you know? It's available. You'll need to pay me now, just in case you decide to skedaddle in the middle of the night. It's happened before. I don't want to get stiffed. That'll be 20 bucks. We're members of the Automobile Club. Is there a discount? 20 bucks, Mac. That's the lowest I can go. Used to be 50 bucks, but we're offering a special rate right now. Dolores was disgusted. She couldn't believe how cheap her husband was, but she didn't say anything. If you don't mind me asking, what's with the Allerton Theater? The man behind the main desk asked. Nostalgia. That's where my parents would drop me off and watch horror films when I was a kid, Elmer said. After grabbing a quick bite at Marv's Deli, Elmer and Dolores held hands as they strolled down Arno Avenue, reminiscing about growing up in the neighborhood and how they had met. Back in their hotel room, she asked, Why did you choose this hotel? I told you, only the best for you. They received a good write-up. I bet, Elmer. This place deserves a half-star rating at the best out of a possible five. But I'm not complaining. It's better than staying at home and yelling at you for watching that Shakopee movie. Interesting you should mention that, honey. If you really want to know why I chose this hotel, 
it's because there was a report that the Shakopee had been seen in this hotel last week. You must think I'm a real dummy. There's no such thing as a tingler. Are you trying to frighten me to death? Of course not. I was just joking. You know I have a heart condition. It wasn't funny. Elmer feigned contriteness. I'm sorry. Okay, just don't joke about things like that. I won't, Dolores. Well, anyways, I'm going to jump into the shower. How high are you going to jump? She asked. That's a good one, Dolores. It was a moment of rare levity between the couple that didn't last long. Please don't steam up the bathroom like you always do, she reminded him. I'll try not to. And save some hot water for me. Don't worry, I will. After she finished unpacking her suitcase, Dolores reached into her handbag, retrieved her cell phone, and made a quick call to a confidant. Everything was going as planned, she surmised. A few minutes later, Dolores opened the bathroom door slightly. She was greeted by a wave of steam, making it nearly impossible to make out her husband. I need a little nosh, she said. I'm going to go buy a Milky Way or something from the vending machine. Do you want anything? Uh, Coke or Sprite, whatever. Maybe some pretzels, Elmer said. You're sure taking a long time in there. Are you okay? I'm fine. The vending machine was just down the hallway, and so was her confidant. When she returned to the room about 15 minutes later, she was holding the snacks and a long steel box. I'm back, Elmer, she announced. Dolores carefully placed the box on the bed, sat down on a recliner, and went about unwrapping a Reese's peanut butter cup. The bathroom door opened, and through the escaping steam emerged a man in a doctor's white lab coat. His slick black hair was combed back, and he had a thin black mustache. Where's Elmer? Dolores asked frantically. Elmer? Who's Elmer? I am Dr. Warren Chapin. Don't you recognize me from the Shockopede? The Shockopede? Dolores clutched her chest as if she was experiencing a seizure. Scream, Dolores! Scream! That's the only way to stop the Shockopede. It lives, and it's coming to get you! I can't scream, Dr. Warren. I can't! Try, Dolores, before it's too late. Maybe this will help. He held out a rubbery object that resembled the movie Shockopede. Instead of dying from fright as Elmer had anticipated, Dolores smiled and then began to laugh, but not her husband. He wasn't in the least bit amused by her reaction. His plan had gone awry. Good try, Elmer. I knew you were up to something. You were in that bathroom forever, rehearsing, I'm sure. Uh, that's right, Dolores. I, I was rehearsing, Elmer admitted nervously. Y you know me, I, I like to pull pranks. Elmer, I knew it was you. How'd you like my Vincent Price impersonation? Excellent. You should have been an actor. No hard feelings, then? None whatsoever. And now that you've had your little fun, I have something to show you. 
Dolores inserted a key into the steel box and lifted its top. What could it possibly be, thought Elmer. Here, right here, look into the box on the bed. Get closer, dear, she said. Take a peek, don't be afraid of cat. Elmer leaned over to get a better view. That's when his face suddenly turned pale. A bump, a bump, a bump when his heart, loud enough for his wife to hear. The large, worm-like thing inside the 16-inch long box had antennas on its head, and a tail, and hundreds of legs. After slowly making its way to the top of the box, it plopped onto the bed. Oh, my God, the Shakopee lives, Elmer shouted. Dolores pushed her husband, who was frozen by fear, onto the bed. Using a rolled-up newspaper, she poked at the tingler, nudging it close to him. Scream, Elba, scream. That's the only way to stop the shockopede. Isn't that what you just told me? Uh, yes, Dolores, I did. I did. Please, help me. I can barely move. The thing attached itself to the back of her husband's leg. Its goal was to reach and dig its way into Elmer's lower back. He briefly tried to get up, but instead collapsed back onto the bed, swiping at the thing that was crawling up his leg and injecting him with paralyzing venom along the way. Remember, Elmer? The shockopede feeds off your fear. The only way to get it to stop is to scream. Please, Dolores, get it off me. Dolores ignored Elmer's pleas and decided to take a shower. I'll be back in about ten minutes, honey. Don't go anywhere. I'll try not to steam up the bathroom like you did. When she came out, Elmer's eyes were still open, but he could no longer speak. As he lay motionless, the shockopede continued the excavation of his spine. Like a Cuisinart, it chomped and blended discs, nerves, and ligaments and muscles, which it then fed to itself. Sensing the shockopede needed even more pep as it worked its way up around the vertebrae and the joints, Dolores poured worms she had purchased from the pet store into the hole it had burrowed into her husband's back. It worked. The shockopede was fully energized and picked up the pace of its mining. Finally, it tried wrapping itself around Elmer's lower spine, but discovered the area was already occupied by another shockopede. It would have to find another home. Dolores continued to taunt her husband, even though he was now a corpse. If you thought you had a bad back before, just wait, Elmer. Goodbye, darling. I will never forget you. Instead of staring at Elmer and the mess the thing had left on the bed, Dolores realized she needed to get rid of the evidence. So, first she washed the makeup from her husband's face and stashed the doctor's white lab coat and rubbery object that resembled the shockopede into her suitcase. She then returned the steel box to her confidant, Dr. Henderson, who had checked into the hotel during the previous week. After all that was done, she'd call the police. By that time, the shockopede was long gone. This was the way I found him after I took my shower, Dolores explained to the New York City medical examiner a few days later. He turned Elmer over and studied the raw flesh on his gouged-out back. I didn't hear him scream or anything. 
If only he had screamed, he might have survived, said the medical examiner. Anyway, I'm very sorry about your loss, Mrs. Monk. One question before you leave. Did you know the Shakopee had been spotted at your hotel days earlier? Well, after we'd checked in, Elmer claimed that the Shakopee indeed had been seen at the hotel. I didn't believe him. After he saw how scared I was, he said he was just making it up. Guess he wasn't. You know, he just loved that Tingler movie, so his dream came true to actually come face to face with it. You have to look on the bright side of things. That's an interesting perspective. Anyway, Mrs. Monk, they're still searching for the Tingler left and right. Where it is now is anyone's guess. The thing is going to keep many people up at night until it's found. Dolores grinned, which struck the medical examiner as odd. She was thinking of the garage sale, where she would get rid of Elmer's belongings, including his favorite movie, putting her house on the market, moving in with Dr. Henderson, and planning their wedding day. And no more mac and cheese, at least not every day. The author wishes to thank the National Shakopee Research Foundation for fact-checking this article. The article was written in loving memory of New York City resident Emily Gelson, who it is believed in 1956 became the first person in the United States to become a victim of the Shakopee. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Scare Tactics was written by Gary Wask, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Duncan Muggleton, with music by Mel Arn and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration is provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. You can help support the show over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. You can join our book club and movie club and chat about the podcast over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver. T-shirts and mugs are available at gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. Diva Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So... Until next time. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.